Blog Talk Radio. Absolutely, absolutely. So, one of the things that I wanted to discuss is, um, and you texted me last night, and I'm like, you know what? Let's get into this. And that was the uh, the longtime Cardinal rivalry. And you know, one of the things that I remember most, and it kills me every single time we play the Cardinals because for some reason he's been the first base coach for I don't know how long now, but seeing Jose Akindo every game the Giants play the Cardinals just brings back this horrible nightmare that that they went through um, in the, uh, God, what was it, 1986, 87, 85, somewhere around there, um, playoffs. And back then they didn't have any wild card rounds or anything like that. They just, you won your division, the other team won their division, and you faced off to go to the World Series. And Cardinals and Giants that year, and I think it was game seven, and the bases were loaded, and Jose Akendo, who probably had maybe three home runs all year, steps up to the plate and hits a grand slam. And I went into my room, I cried, took all my Cardinal baseball cards, ripped them all up, and from then <laughs> until now, I've hated them. The only Cardinal that I could say that I truly could appreciate was Willie McGee, and that's because he played for the Giants later on. But, yeah, other than that, yeah, I've, I haven't had any any like for them ever. And I was just curious on what, what memories you may have about, about this rivalry. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, Mike. Well, <clears throat> you know, for all our listeners that don't know, I'm 24 years old, so I was born in 93. So that uh, kendo moment is a little before my time. I believe I was, yeah, like somewhere in the mid to late 80s, like 87 or so. But anyway – um, yeah, so the Cardinals, actually, Mike, for me, I used to love the Cardinals. Um, I was just talking to you right before the show started. I was laughing, and I was like, man, you know, Albert Pujols is my favorite player. I had a poster of Albert Pujols up there. Um, 
<clears throat> in my back room. I actually copied his swing, so I had a super early step and all this crazy. I wasn't nearly as good, obviously, but <laughs> it was so cool. Nice to copy um, Pulse's swing. Uh, we loved the Jim Edmonds, Scott Rowan teams. Uh, my little brother and I used to play wiffle ball for hours, and we would memorize these lineups and then go out and play with them. So the Yankees were always a fun lineup to have. The Cardinals, the Marlins back in the day, uh, back in the early 2000s were a fun team to have. But Mike, it seems as the 2000s went on and on, <clears throat> it was harder for me to root for the Cardinals. Um, and they got to a point where once Pools left, I mean, I really didn't have, you know, I didn't really care much for the Cardinals. I will say uh, Daniel Descalso, who uh, is now on the Diamondbacks, I believe, uh, went to my high school. Awesome, awesome guy. I know his little brother. He's super cool. Anyway, when he was on the Cardinals, it was actually hard for me to, I mean, he was the only person I actually liked on the Cardinals. Uh, the year that they beat the Texas Rangers. Remember the David Freese had the crazy home runs, uh, the triple yep. off the wall that Nelson Cruz should have caught to end game six, and then the home run and extra innings after Josh Hamilton hit a homer. It was just crazy. Anyway, um, those Cardinals, man, I didn't like them. Uh, I love Matt Carpenter. I think uh, he's my one favorite player right now on the Cardinals. Uh, just watching his approach, and we'll talk about that later, because he hit an absolute bomb off of Cueto. But, um, you know, it was uh, – it just seemed that the more and more the Giants and Cardinals started playing, the more tempers flared. Um, I don't know if it was Mike Matheny, you know, that he used to play for us and the Cardinals, and he kind of wanted to, you know, show us, you know, hey, you know, I'm a pretty damn good coach too. I mean, he could have some negative thoughts of San Francisco because his career ended there with all the concussions that he took off our crappy, crappy pitching staff. <laughs> um, you know, he was in the mid-2000s, just the brutal Giants times. But, um, Mike, I mean, one thing that really stands out is the Matt Holiday slide into second base on Marcos uh, Marco Scudero. And they covered that last night. Uh, uh, and Kripp were talking about it. And they were just, you know, oh, it makes my blood boil thinking about that. And in 2012, Mike, I'll be honest, I was cussing out Matt Holiday. I'm screaming at the TV. I'm you know, giving him a, the Italian salute with my middle finger. I mean, I was going berserk. Do you remember that game? Oh, yeah, I totally – and I totally remember the slide. Actually, um, I had the game on in radio during the time. So, if you've listened, not just you, but anybody else out there that listens to the games on radio, they have to be more specific, of course, because they got to detail what's going on. So, I got a really good detail account of what happened. And, of course, I went home saw the replay and was just furious because I couldn't believe how outrageous and how far he went just to take out Marco Scudero. Right. Like, Oh man, it was just, he went so far over the base too. It was, you know, I mean, he had at least 40 to 50 pounds on Scudero. I mean, he's this hulking monster. Actually, when I talked to that, um, Mr. Uh, my man, Dan Descalso, I was talking to him with, hey, who's the you know most ripped guy in the Cardinals? And I was thinking he'd say, you know, Albert Pujols' work ethic is crazy. He's like, nah, Matt Holliday is an animal. He has jaw muscles. I mean, if you look at him. So, for God, jaw muscles to slide in to Michael Scudero, you know, and he had a leg was planted. Um, but I think we covered this a couple of weeks ago, Mike. The coolest part about that was that uh, Scudero, I think, in game two had a huge, huge hit that went right to uh, Holliday. Holiday missed with the bases loaded, and that helped break the game open for the Giants. So that was the first bit of karma. And then the last bit was Holiday hit up uh, the last pop-up in the rain off of Sergio Romo in game seven, and Scudero called everybody off. I mean, I think that my other ball was in right field. I think he would have went back there and called off Hunter Pence because he was making sure, like, hey, stupid-ass Holiday, I am catching the ball that you hit. I don't care that we're winning. It was like 9-0, 11-0, dump and rain. Everybody wants the game to be over so we can go to the World Series. Um, man, I was so happy that Holiday made that last out. 
perfect fitting, totally perfect fitting. And in the way he called, he called everybody off too. It looked like if he was oh, being oh. a swimming pool, he'd be doing best strokes, breath strokes. You know, he's just yeah. like, get out of the way. Oh, totally. Yeah. If you're within two feet of him, you're getting smacked by a glove or a hand because he was not going yeah. down. <laughs> no, yeah, that was all his. That's for sure. Yeah, but um, you know, recently it just seems like I don't know the the Cardinals. I don't know if it's Mike Matheny. I don't know. Yadier Molina's kind of got more of a badass kind of vibe to him late, as of late. Um, and, you know, I say that because Yadier's been in the league for, good God, what, 10, 12 years now? I, I can't I don't remember when Yadier oh, yeah. broke up with the uh, – you know, came up with the Cardinals. But, I mean, even Yadier Molina sometimes has a little bit of attitude to him that, you know, you didn't see before. So these Cardinals definitely play with an edge. Uh, Tommy Pham, uh, their center fielder, that guy definitely loves to run his mouth. Uh, very athletic, very good player, but uh, definitely – um, you know, say some outlandish things like he wants to be the best player in baseball, and that's awesome, right? You always you want every single player on your team to think they're the best player in baseball. But it's like, okay, buddy, have you have you heard this guy Mike Trout or 500 other people that are just way better? Like, come on now. So uh, yeah. you know that they come in with this, this swagger and this confidence. It seems uh, the Cardinals do, and you know they talk about playing the Cardinal way and doing things the Cardinal way and the tradition they have. Yes, they have a great tradition, a great baseball town. Uh, from what I hear, I've never visited, but that's one of my first places I want to visit it when I go see some other stadiums uh, away from the West Coast. But, you know, Mike, it's just every time I see the Cardinals now, I want to boo them or I want them to lose. And last night's game was not what we were looking for. But, oh, man, I just, yeah, no. that rivalry, it's definitely, you know, it's a, it's one of the biggest rivalries they have outside of their division. Yeah, and, it, and it's huge. I mean, it, from something, just to show you how much, it's, you know, from something that happened in 1987 to affect me, that still – I just the same thing um, <laughs> next to the Dodgers. Uh, it it just shows you what you know. There's there's just something about that red that makes you that makes you feel angry. And obviously, you know, it, <laughs> it's like we're it's a bull. Something that, yeah, exactly. You know, and um, <laughs> yeah, totally, totally. Now, you know, one of the things I wanted to discuss um, about this horrible Cardinal game that we dragged ourselves through yesterday was. Cueto, and obviously he gave up the first inning. And if you want to go in more detail about that, that's fine too. But how did how did he do um, afterwards after that just horrid first inning where he gave up four runs? What were your thoughts about him um, after that? Yeah, Mike. You know, he only made one other mistake, and that was uh, after the first inning, I should say, and that was the Matt Carpenter who absolutely pissed on the ball about 425 feet to right center, um, more towards center field, I guess. But anyway, um, I mean, he just destroyed that ball. It was pretty funny too because Cueto threw it. I believe it was a change up, uh, like 85 miles per hour and stuff. So he hung it. I mean, he knew he hung it. It was a little too fast. His fastball was sitting around 91, 90. 90-91, so if your change is only five miles per hour slower and it's going to hang a little bit more, oh, boy. Hitters like Matt Carpenter that are starting to figure it out, um, you know, now, because uh, Carpenter had a rough start to the year. Anyway, um, you know, Cueto, he looks pretty good, Mike. Um, I wasn't upset. You know, I didn't think he'd get roughed up that badly in his first inning, but uh, it's just kind of snowball effect of baseball, right? He's one of those guys that he definitely yeah. relies off of his kind of, you know, herky-jerky movement or motion, excuse me. Um, you know, he has the, you know, all of these different pitches that you throw from different arm slots, kind of, when he is moving his, you know, his twisting his back and moving his leg a lot. Um, a few things I saw that kind of frustrated me was um, he kept, I think we were losing 5-0, and he kept checking the runner at second base, and there's two outs. Um, now, you know, obviously I'm not a major league pitcher, so I have no room to talk. But as a fan, uh, I wanted him to focus on the batter. We had two outs, we had to force all around, you know, it had been a long inning. 
and we needed to get back in the dugout. And for Cueto to give two looks uh, to the second, the guy at second base, and then throw a ball probably three or four feet above the strike zone. I mean, Posey had to stand up to catch it. <laughs> that, that was one thing. I was like, okay, I'd like his focus to be a little more, um, you know, on the batters perhaps, so he could focus more on the glove. Mm. Uh, that yeah. was one thing that kind of got to me, but. Uh, you know, he started to mix and match, you know, his off-speed. He was kind of attacking the back slip of the left-handed batters. You know, he's trying to mix in uh, that curveball or slide piece he has away from the right-handed hitters. So, all in all, I wasn't too disappointed in him. Um, I thought that, you know, for his first start back in, you know, forever since April, I believe, and from to come back from, a, you know, a sprained elbow when I thought it was going to be Tommy John for sure, um, you know, baby steps are the way to look for him. And, you know, he took baby steps after the second inning. Yeah, I think he really did did well. Uh, I don't know how many hits he gave up or or what, but he he went from I think the first inning he gave up like thirty thirty pitches, and by the fourth inning he only had like forty five or something to that effect. So in three innings he only gave up like fifteen to twenty pitches, which just to me was was the first thing that that I noticed. Um, about how well he was pitching, considering he hadn't given up any runs except for that one, um, just shows you that he he was lights out. So, what do you expect out of him? Um, second expect more what we saw at, at from him from the second inning on, or do you see more rough patches, sort of like what Bumgarner went through with? You know, the first game was not so good, and then the second game was a little bit better, and third game and so forth. So, wh- which direction do you see Cueto going in? Yeah, to be honest, partner, I think he has another uh, rough start ahead of him, probably. Uh, I haven't looked at who we're going to face. I could check that in a little while. But, um, you know, I, I just think that, uh, you know, the way that things are going for him, it seems like he's one of those guys that gets roughed up a little bit in the first inning. Um, if, you know, he's not going. Oh, okay, so it looks like his next start would be Tuesday night against the Cubbies, who are coming in hot. Uh, and, Mike, we have some big – I mean, Cardinals, Cubbies, A's are playing some good teams here. Uh, you know, I know it's kind of funny to say the A's, but – the days are playing fantastic mm-hmm. baseball on the other side of the bay. Uh, but anyway, uh, for Cueto, you know, I, I see, you know, I'm hoping that he could hold the Cubbies to maybe, let's say, three runs over six innings. Was that, is that, you know, four runs maybe? We could keep it, you know, a little closer. Um, but, you know, for him, I think it's just getting that velocity back up. I mean, a lot of pitches in that first inning, he's sitting low, uh, sorry, upper eight, maybe low nines. Um, and, you know, yeah. he only allowed three runs all year, Mike, before going on the DL. And last night on one swing uh, by Jerko, he let up three runs, not three-run bomb. You know what I mean? So, And then he let yeah. up a fourth run. So, in that inning. So, for him to allow four runs in an inning when he had led the MLB in ERA before, it just shows you that he's still trying to work his way back. Um, you know, he needs to get his arm strength back. I think he went – so, his two rehab starts, Mike, I forgot what it was. but something, with, uh, you know, along the line of 50 pitches. 70, maybe like 40 pitches, 60 pitches, and then now last night he got a little higher up there towards 80, I believe, or low, uh, upper sevens um, for pitches. But, you know, if he could regain the arm strength and, you know, hopefully stretch it out this week and, you know, have a good bullpen and get a good feel for his off-speed pitches, maybe he can keep the Cubbies off balance with his decreased velocity for the next game. Yeah, and not not be his, his max velocity like it was in this game. I was really – taken yeah. back by how, how slow his pitches really were. Um, I don't think they have a gun in they, – they probably do have a speed gun in, in uh, Sacramento. I just don't know where they posted. And even if they did post it, I probably couldn't see it because I can't see far for anything. But, um, yeah, he, he looked really good his uh, last start, I believe it was, when the game I saw. And 
I was I was a little surprised by how shaky he started off. Maybe it was just some nerves. I don't know, but that first inning was just dreadful thing I've seen in a, in a long time. So um, tonight, and then even uh, I'll just I'll just say real quick, partner. In that first inning, Alan um, Alan Hampton had a, a play he could have caught. I think a ball that you could have caught. You and I talked about this. Um, there was a oh, flare. Yeah. It was a man on first base, two outs, and it was a flare and a left center. So obviously you don't want to dive for the ball if you think a double can get past you and the guy will score from first. But it was <clears throat> it was kind of a not like a top spinning, but it was definitely coming down and it would have hit the grass and kind of rolled away. And I think Gorky Hernandez is right behind him to back him up. So they uh, they showed Bochi on the telecast right after the play and the ball dropped maybe a foot and a half away from Hanson when he pulled up and Bochi was not happy. Uh, you could tell he was pissed off because Cueto had to work again. And then Cueto luckily had Posey uh, make a beautiful throw to throw out Colton Wong. So Cueto only got two of three outs in the first inning. So he kind of got helped along with his uh, defense there and a nice tag by Panic. But, um, yeah, I mean, it was, that was another thing that kind of bothered me. But, like you are saying, partner, going into tonight's game. Yeah, and um, this Shark is going to be back, I guess. So they're going to go with Shark. Uh... Are you a little nervous about about that whole situation, oh, or absolutely, absolutely? <laughs> uh, we, I, I think on, honestly, the way I'm looking at the series, uh, I'm cool splitting it if uh, Shark and Quato can get their bad starts out of the way. So if we lose the first two, and then um, you know we take care of business tomorrow, and then I'm going to the Mad Bum game on Sunday with my father for his late Father's Day present gift. Um, so we get to see that game on Sunday. So I'm hoping. I'm hoping we get to see, you know, a third win in a row, but realistically I'd be cool if we split the series on Sunday uh, with a win because, Shark, I mean, Shark, oh man, he just has, you know, he has that fastball that gets lit up when he misses his location. I know that sounds cliche. I know that sounds obvious. Like, yeah, duh, if you miss your location. But something about Shark, I don't know if his range, that 93 to 95 range that he now sits in or, you know, was sitting in, I don't know if that's just like the perfect speed for major league hitters to time up, but – uh, it seems like, you know, he definitely gives up a lot of long balls, and the Cardinals right now are swinging the bat real well. So I'm hoping that he's able to keep the ball low and let our defense go to work. Yeah, you know, and hopefully he could just hit hit his spots. And, and I mean, he got lit up. And not his last outing, but the outing before that. He looked like Cueto yeah. yesterday. <laughs> and he just, you know – to see that against AAA hitting and just see people just tee off of him like he's some guy that just got called up from single A, it was just disheartening as hell. But hopefully he pitches more like he did his last outing than he did the previous one and just gives them a chance. Um, now, even if he gives them the chance, the way we're hitting right now might not even matter. What what, <laughs> what are we doing out there? I mean, we are just – we can't hit anything. I mean, I don't. Even, I'd be nervous if they teed the ball up and and said, "Go hit it." Um, so, <laughs> what, is 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 this just a normal slump that teams go through, or do you see something that that players just aren't together, just not hitting the ball? Um, you know, I think it's a combination, Mike. And you you were texting me yesterday. We were throwing our cliches back at each other. You know, can't hit the way out of a wet paper bag. Couldn't hit the broadside of a barn. <laughs> Couldn't hit water if you fell out of a boat. Like, all those things, right? It's like, good God, Giants. I mean, we, seriously, we have we have five. I think we have five runs in our last four games and our last four losses. So we lost to the Rockies five to two, then eight to one, then one zero, and then eleven to two. And um, even last night's home run, like, hey, kudos to Hanson. That was, that was a bomb. You know, was an awesome two run homer. But even then, it seemed like the pitcher had lost his no hitter. So he's like, eh, I'm not really. You know, I'm not. It wasn't as big of. A, he wasn't pitching as. 
um, as great as he was before that. Um, I believe, Luke Weaver, I believe. Um, but yeah, he was yep. pumping his head, Mike. That pitcher, I mean, he was he was throwing. You know, he's mixing and matching, throwing upper seven, you know, upper nines, you know, ninety-seven ish, I guess, so mid to upper nines in the up in the zone, and then he's throwing the dirty, dirty off speed below the knees. Um, a lot of feeble looking swings. Mike, one thing that bothers yeah. me, um, I love I love Gorky Fernandez, but one thing that bothers me is that he does this thing called the A Rod load, where even if he's going to take the ball, he still slots his elbows and moves his hands forward a little bit, uh, and that's great because you want your momentum to go to the ball. You never want to be, you know, you don't want to stop, so it's good to have that um, technique. But the problem is, Mike, is that multiple times now this past week, I've seen him. He does that load, and the ball is so inside that it actually hits his handle for a foul ball. So a ball that he should be able to see as a ball or, you know, maybe ball one or whatever the count is to get out of the way and play it off to make the umpire, you know, call it a ball even more so, uh, he just kind of stays in there and he gets these foul balls and it takes him from a 1-1 count to a 1-2 count or, you know, a 1-0 count to a 1-1 count. And, you know, and if you give these pitchers an extra strike, oh, adios, dude. Like, it's, this is such a hard game, you know. If you give those guys, you know, an extra strike where they only need to find two strikes now, like, oh, adios, take care of that real quick. So that was one thing that kind of frustrated me. So I hope, I hope, I hope, I hope we're able to fix that and the, uh, the batting coaches and the, the video team is able to see something and get, you know, get rid of that. Cause that also could be an injury uh, waiting to happen. Yeah. And yeah. And that would be just horrible. Uh, our lead, that means Austin Jackson would more likely be oh, our don't starting Mike, center fielder. Don't wish that upon us. And, don't wish that upon us. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I don't think anybody wants that right now. So yeah, Barney, right. say it healthy, ain't so, you know? Joe. Say it ain't so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Speaking of Shula, Joe Jackson cool. from last week, but man, yeah, poor Austin Jackson. I mean, yeah, <sighs> you feel for a guy like that too, because you know he came over with veteran, you know, knowledge, and he wants to come over and help the Giants. Like, good lord, that guy is struggling this year. Yeah, he's even worse than what you know, probably than. I mean, he's like the fifth outfielder right now, isn't he? Like. I mean, yeah. They even have Hanson out there playing, who can't play left field for anything, and yeah, they'd rather exactly. have him out there than than Jackson. So that just shows you that it's yeah, not good. Um, yeah, you know the one probably the one of the worst hitters, and I probably I spam you a lot about this is Joe Panic. Um, should we panic <laughs> about Panic? Oh my God, Mike! I mean, uh, it's so hard because he was an awesome piece of that 2014 World Series uh, title run, and you know everybody uh, has a lot of love for him. So for us to be talking like this, I know it's borderline blasphemy for certain diehards. Um, but man, I mean, I, I don't know how many more games I could watch him swing with one freaking hand. Like, dude, I understand that you know you lefties have that you know that rotation and whatnot. You gotta have that smoother swing. But good God, panic! Keep two hands on the freaking bat. How many times, Mike, has he made loud contact? but with one hand, so it's a freaking little duck fart to center field. You know what I mean? It's like, dude, I yep. think even, even last night, I thought he squared a ball. I'm like, sweet, that's a gapper. You know, get someone in scoring position. Jesus Christ, right? Nope, can of corn yep. top spin right to the center fielder because his damn top hand flies off at contact. And, you know, even you know, someone as bad as me understands that if your top hand's not pushing through that ball at contact, I mean, so when you hit the ball, there's two things you have to do. You have to stop the ball with, with a barrel, right? So you have to be able to stop the ball. And then, Mike, you have to redirect it. Now, when Panic swings with his one-handed swings like a tennis serve, you can't redirect the ball very far, you know what I mean? And if you are, it's not going to go, you know, with the distance and the launch angle that we need for it to go in the gap or go over the fence. 
Now, I'm not saying that Panic needs to be, you know, a freaking, you know, guy with 180 pounds of second base. I'm not saying that he needs to be, you know, a 30 home run threat. But, you know, if he could put some more balls in the gap like he used to or just kind of, you know, hit the ball with more authority. Um, I'd really like to see what his average uh, exit below and the launch angles are because it seems like a lot of times he's making very weak one-handed contact. Yeah, and and the and I and I pretty much know what exactly what bat you're talking about too because I thought the same thing. I thought, oh, he got into that, and right, he, like and said, it was gone. just some <laughs> yeah, we exactly, and it was just some weak play ball to the outfield, and it, and a lot of his a lot of his hits are like that where you see him just like get into it, and it's this boom play ball, routine play ball, and it's like okay, well, obviously he doesn't have any power. But it's it's more than that. It's it's more than the fact that it's just it it shouldn't be that way. It should be where he's at least a line drive or something, and it's not. And so it's really really heartening. Um, what do you think of his defense? Do you think his defense is is well enough to keep him in the starting lineup, or are we going to be starting to look at Hanson coming in and at least playing second base? Man, you know, I think oh, – I hate to say this, but I think it's time to give Hanson and Slater a chance to both bat in the same lineup. Uh, I know Boach has been using them a lot to kind of plateau them, you know, ready-lefty um, – platoon them, excuse me, against ready-lefty. I, I hope the Giants don't plateau. Good God. Um, uh, <laughs> uh, platoon them, uh, lefty-righty. But I do think that, um, you know, Hanson deserves a shot at second base. And like I've been calling for all podcasts and, you know, like you've been agreeing with me, I think it's time to trade panic and maybe – we could bunch panic in a, you know, tie block or a panic in a Derek Holland, you know, one in a couple of guys that we have, you know, a little bit of extra and uh, send them away for, you know, good bullpen help or, you know, a solid, you know, a solid, you know, utility man or, you know, a, a young stud that can help us out, you know, next year because, you know, our, our, you know, Joey Bart did a great job last night. I think he had two bombs, but still, you know, we only have yeah. one player in the top 100 in our, um, the top 100 prospects. I think it's Helio Ramos. And even he's struggling at single yeah. A ball. So, you know, we don't really have much help on the way besides, I think, Ray Black, who's coming up soon, and we'll talk about him, Mike. But um, ah, back to your question that you I totally, totally ran around. Um, I do think that Panic needs to uh, start either hitting the ball harder or even his good, you know, defensive or at least what we perceive as good defensive game is going to not, uh, not – isn't going to keep him in the lineup. Now, this is sort of going to be a curveball, but – if let's just say we package Holland and Panic, which team would you think would be a good fit for them, and what players do you think we could get in return? Huh, that's a good question. So, um, first off, I guess we have to think of teams that are kind of weak up the middle. Uh, uh, I don't think the Mariners. I mean, I know the Mariners lost Robinson Cano, but they've moved D Gordon to second base, so they should be fine. Uh, I know the Angels. Uh, they're fine. They have a weak farm system as well, and I think they signed Ian Kinsler to play second base. That's a tough one, Mike. Uh, maybe someone like the Brewers. I mean, the, I know the Brewers need a little bit of help on the starting end, and then they also – I don't know who they have for second base, though, to be honest, but the Brewers maybe could be somebody uh, that, you know, a team that needs a little bit of help up the middle. Um, you know, I really don't know if Panic could play shortstop. I'm sure that would help his cause a lot more, but – Maybe he could play third base as well, Mike. So if he could play, you know, second or third base, that would help a lot of teams. I know a lot of teams right now are looking for a third baseman, but, I mean, who wants a third baseman that can't even bat his own weight anyways? No, not that much. <laughs> you know, um, exactly, kind of right? A lot of, a lot of those yeah, right. That takes a lot, of, a lot of those ones away. So, oh, man, I guess 
I'll, I don't know. I'm kind of tossing I'll out a random what, team, but yeah, let, Milwaukee. Let, let's 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 revisit this next week and um, talk about that. Let's talk about what if Panic gets traded and to who. I think that that because I that was a total curveball on my part, and that's that's no, no, no. Um, that was good. It made, made me stretch, you know, kind of reach back into this brain I never use and try to see if I have any memories left. <laughs> do, 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 do some mental gymnastics, huh? Um, right. Oh, by the way, uh, speaking of speaking of sort of gymnastics, um, and I would probably do backflips to to uh, get the heck out of there, but uh, I saw that you got a, a tattoo, and so how'd that turn out? And how much pain were you in going through all that, uh, going through that? <laughs> you know, it's funny. My, um, one of the best artists from my middle school, one of my good friends, she is now a tattoo artist in San Francisco. So that is, you know, and I had, I had a, an off week this week for the 4th of July from all my coaching duties. So I had just a bunch of money burned a hole in my pocket. And I was like, Ooh, man, I really want to go get something, you know, another one. I got one a couple of uh, like a month ago or so. And then, you know, by her. So I went back again and this one was on my right arm. Oh my goodness. Mike, that one did not feel good. It was on more of the bicep area, but you know, you see, you see these relievers and they have all these like, you know, full arm sleeve tattoos. Now after seeing yeah. how much it hurts just from the inside of my arm, I can't even imagine the wrist or the elbows or, you know, some of the crazy guys that have like out to their fingers, you know, looking like Chris Anderson from the heat back in the NBA. Um, it's just like, man, like you guys are nuts. Cause like, you know, I have, I have some, you know, some meat on my arms where I could, you know, at least have, you know, a little bit of something to bounce off of. But, like, you see some of these closers, man, with these, you know, elbows and wrists, you know, all these covered up in tats. I'm like, whew, you boys, that is that is a lot of pain. But if you throw 95, it looks pretty cool, huh? <laughs> yeah, I guess, yeah. It makes you more tougher, I guess. Yeah, so, <laughs> I So I looked up I looked up that, that verse, and uh, it's, it's I like it. I, I – um, I think it's probably I, I don't know about one of the best verses I you know who knows but that's up until interpretation but it, it yeah I think it's very fitting for for uh, you and uh, so yeah. I just wanted yeah. to say just pick the good ones. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. My mother wasn't a fan of it, but hey, that's that's, that's a mother's job when you have a twenty-five year old yeah. living in San Francisco. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 yeah. It's tough for moms, and yeah, I totally get it. That get that. Um, now that we're totally off the topic, um, uh, giant, 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 um, giant, 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 giant. So let's let's talk about let's talk about bullpen and uh, what. Oh boy, holy! You know uh, what they're going to do because we both definitely in agreement that having Holland and Block uh, in in a middle relief role that are both lefties isn't uh, productive. It's counterproductive. So I guess that comes down to a, a trade. But if you were to keep one, who would it be? Oh, this is terrible because Holland's hella old and Block has I think a lot more potential. But dude, I, I get rid of Block. I, oh man, he just. I mean, unless he's facing, like, Clayton Kershaw randomly, he's not going to pitch well. I don't know what it is, Mike, where Ty Block was, like, the Clayton Kershaw killer for a year and a half, um, you know, in the past. But it was, like, the most random thing. It was like, oh, the Dodgers can't hit 80-mile-per-hour curveballs or 86-mile-per-hour two-seam fastballs from the left side, so keep on throwing them. Um, but, no, uh, <laughs> he, uh, he, came in la- he came in last night, Mike. Uh, he got roughed up. What did he give, like, three or four oh. runs? Uh, it, it was it was gnarly, and it was just loud. It, 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 it was loud brutal. After a I mean, it was – and the contact, Mike, was loud, man. I mean, these guys yeah. were smacking the ball. And I was texting you 
Falcons kind of messed up to the Giants. But I was texting like, hey, I'm pretty tired. I'm only staying awake to see the Giants break up the perfect game. You know what I mean? So I'm sitting there, yeah, right, like, damn it, Block, like, just go faster. I want to go to sleep, dude. Like, it's already freaking eight, no- I thought it was like eight, nine, nothing at the time. I was like, goodness gracious. And then on top of that, you know, the other guy I complained to you about, Derek Holland, who's kind of a block replica, you know, a slow, slower throwing lefty. He comes in, and I'm like, oh, my God, I complained. But then he strikes out the guy right away. And I'm like, oh, I'll shut up now. And then, um, yeah. oh, real quick, like, about the perfect game. How about Pablo trying to uh, take a three-pitch, uh, three-ball walk? That was probably one of the funnier things I've seen this year. Um, Pablo had, uh, for those of our listeners that didn't see the game last night, uh, the Giants were getting perfect games through, I think, at least five, uh, or at least four and, a, four and two-thirds, four and a third. Um, anyway, um, so what happened was in one of those innings, Pablo comes up. He has a hell of a bat. I mean, he's working it, working it, fouled off three or four pitches, and he got it to uh, – you know, it was two and two, and then they threw a ball up and away. Pablo takes off his gear, tosses everything in, runs to first base, right? And then I'm, in my mind, I'm watching the, the score, or I'm watching, excuse me, the scoreboard, you know, on my on my telecast, and I'm like, what the hell? I'm like, no way. And then right away, I think Fleming, I think it was Fleming, and he's like, oh, that doesn't look right. And then it was Matheny just goes, oh, hey, he calls for him, saying that's ball three. And then the funniest thing, Mike, the umpire's just like, oh, yeah, you're right. Like, dude, if that was that easy for you to agree with him, like, the hell like is your clicker not on did you not look at it like did you just like for like kind of like just for like you know shits and gigs you letting pablo run to first base like what right. was the point um Matheny was you know rightfully livid because you know say weaver gives up the you know a base hit or a ball four to ruin his perfect game you know it was because of that two minute delay where pablo ran to first base gets called back and has to put on all 45 pieces of gear to hit um, I mean, that poor guy, I mean, I, I've had that problem before, like Pablo, where you're trying to pull your batting glove fingers out one by one. You're so rattled. You're like, dude, hurry up, hurry up. And then you have to, you know, he had to put his elbow guard on and he had to do, you know, another thing and make sure, okay, he put some dirt in his hands. Like, man, oh man. And then of course, Weaver comes back and just strikes his ass out. Just pays him with 95 at the top of the zone. But, um, yeah, that was kind of funny because he, uh, you know, the only person that touched the, you know, first base through five innings for the Giants was Pablo Sandoval, an accident with, uh, three balls. <laughs> it, it, yeah, it, it's not. It's actually if that was to happen to any giant, it would probably either be Sandoval or or uh, um, uh, what's his name? Um, not Bell, the guy that plays left field. or used to play left field. Um, oh, Pence. right field. Pence. Yeah. Yeah. Pence. <laughs> Pence by going ball two is his spaz ass. What no one is. Oh. Touchdown, both you. Yeah. Oh, God, Pence. Where, where are you, buddy? Come on. Come back to us, man. Holy boy. <laughs> uh, but, Mike, what, one thing in Pablo, uh, what, what kind of cool thing for Pablo besides this, you know, that he thinks that ball three in baseball is a walk? Yeah, maybe he's used to adult softball. That's what it is. Anyway, um, uh, he has uh, five gloves, and that's something that, you know, this is kind of interesting because you're talking to me like, how do these announcers stay upbeat when we're losing 11 to two? You know what I mean? Like, how the hell do they have the momentum and the energy to keep talking? Well, you know, one of the cool stories they talked about was how we were using Pablo as their super utility man back in the day, uh, earlier the season. Remember he pitched an inning. Uh, I think he was our backup. He was our bullpen catcher and a backup emergency catcher. He played shortstop. He played first base. He's played third base. I think he has, um, he has an outfielder's glove now, too, just in case. He seems like, he said, I hope I never have to play outfield or have to catch, but you know, <laughs> just in case. Um, but, you know, that was kind of cool. Uh, he did say second base is the hardest position, uh, just having to deal with all the cutoffs and whatnot and, you know, all the shifts and everything. Um, because there are a lot of shifts, Mike. I noticed that uh, last night I was watching, you know, you watch all these games and you see all these, 
you know, the shortstop, the third base, always swing over to the full side. And it was a pretty cool stat because Carpenter and Belt were in the game, you know, Carpenter for the cards and Belt for us. And those two guys have seen the most shifts in the National League. I think Belt's uh, like the third, or third, yeah, third most shifts in the National League, something above like 73-ish percent. And then Carpenter, I think he's at either first or second, but he's faced like 85% uh, of that bats are against the shift. Um, and, and it's just crazy, you know, all these guys moving into the shift, and you see these guys continually hit the ball into the shift, even when the pitcher, you know, misses his spot. So it's kind of, um, you know, the whole crazy game of yeah. baseball. It keeps evolving and evolving. Um, you know, it's crazy to see how it goes. Yeah, and, and that and that's something that that's totally been in the works. I, me- I remember when they did that to Barry Bonds, and it was just like him. It was everybody else. They played pretty much straight away, but Barry Bonds, they'd always leave third base, that left field side, uh, and move everybody over to the right side. And he'd take advantage of it sometimes too. I remember him laying down some bunts and stuff. But um, now it just seems like every every player, every batter has some kind of shift on whether. It's just a slight shift or a dramatic shift where the shortstop is playing first base and the first baseman is playing, you know, left field or whatever. And um, it's kind of crazy to see how, how dramatic these shifts have really become. Well, Mike, I mean, it's crazy. I coached uh, little leaguers <laughs> last year, and like, I no joke, I have 10-year-olds, and I when um, it was a tie game, in the, or no, I'm sorry, it was a championship game. We're getting destroyed. We're about to get 10-run rules. And I'm like, okay screw this, you know, they have the base loaded and two outs. So I brought five infielders and I left one, I only left two guys in the outfield. I was like, I don't care. I put one guy, you know, right behind the second baseman right there. So a little duck fart couldn't get over. I put one guy in the pole alley, you know, way deep in the gap. And I said, okay, you know, I have my little free safety roaming behind the pitcher. So anything up the middle, you know, I can put the shortstop a little more towards third base. I can move second base a little closer to first base. You know, it's just, it's crazy how far these, uh, these schemes go. And the parents were all amazed. And for me, I was kind of mad that I didn't think about it earlier in the season. I was like, oh, dude, if I, could have, if I had known I could have shifted these kids, like, I would have never played three outfielders. Like, you ever coach 10-year-olds? Like, they don't hit to the outfield. Yeah, they're not going to hit like, to the outfield. Oh, man. <laughs> right? I'm put three first basemen. That was my biggest problem. You couldn't catch the damn ball. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh, my goodness. But, uh, Mike, awesome. speaking of uh, – Speaking of guys that are, you know, hanging out with people way too young, our man Ray Black. Uh, let's talk about him. So, uh, Mr. Ray Black is 28 years old. Uh, he is on our AAA team for the Giants, throwing absolute smoke. He is, uh, he turned down the invitation to the Futures game. Um, I believe is that it's in Washington, D.C. He was only going to go through one inning, and his last game uh, would be in Sacramento for the before the All-Star break, so he didn't really have the time to go out there, but – uh, I think we have like Sean Sean Wilson or Sean I forgot what the guy's name is. Sean Wilson and Helio Ramos I think are representing the Giants, uh, so that should be cool yeah. to see. But anyway, you know it was funny for you know the the article said that you know twenty eight Ray Black twenty eight year old Ray Black is invited to Futures Game where many of his teammates won't even have their first facial hair. You know what I mean it was kind of funny because that is true. Like you know you have these guys like you know Xander Bogarts who was like sixteen years old getting drafted in the international rules. You know it's like whoa like how how the hell do these guys you know. He's one of the younger names I could think of, but uh, maybe the Jerson Profar guy. Yeah, but you need the point. Like, a lot of these guys come up, you're like, dude, these guys are like 16, 17 years old. They're just destroying the ball, throwing upper nine. So um, that is kind of cool. But, yeah, so Ray Black, Mike, uh, he is a guy that I think is going to be an in-house solution for our bullpen woes. Uh, He, I think, in his last 11 innings, he has 18 strikeouts from what I saw. Uh, So his strikeout rate is fantastic. 
Um, he's working on a better slider and curveball, Mike. So I guess what was happening with him was that he was having trouble dif- uh, differentiating the speeds between his slide piece and his curve piece. Uh, so his curve was sitting like around like 80 – no, it was sitting in the upper eights because he throws pretty hard. So his curve was sitting a little too fast, and his slider was just the same speed as the curveball. So he's worked on slowing down his curveball as a pitching coach uh, so he can get that, you know, the triple-digit fastball, you know, the ho- hopefully the upper eight, low nine slide piece, and then a real slow mid-eight curveball that really drops and breaks down off the face of the earth. Um, so he's a guy that I'm super excited to see. Um, but I know, uh, you know, you and I have been talking about him for a little while. So do you have any insight on him or any, you know, hopes for him to come help us in our bullpen woes? You know, if anybody that is a, a stereotypical closer, this guy is it. And just being able to throw that much and that fast. And if he, if he can get down to where he can vary his speeds and that's, and that's what Strickland developed. That's what made him so good before he got stupid. And uh, yeah. <laughs> now, and if, if if Ray Black can avoid you know punching a wall or a door, then I, I think he he's easily could be uh, one of our, if not top relief. They probably work him in a, a bit. I, I see, and like sort of what they did with uh, Melanson, um, and then put him in as a closer role. So maybe by the end of the season, we can see that. Uh, I don't know how serious they are about bringing him up yet. Uh, From all signs, I mean, the guy is just absolutely dominating. And I would love to to get him some some time up here if if possible, but they're going to have to make a lot of room to, to do that. Yeah, you know, and, oh, man, yeah, it, it's, uh, you know, it's something that I'm really, uh, you know, curious to see how long the Giants wait before we bring him because, uh, well, I mean, it's tough, Mike, I guess, because, you know, we're only 25 runs in four games here in our four-game losing streak, so we haven't really had, you know, any recent need for a closer. I think the last time we had a safe situation, the Giants beat the Diamondbacks 9-6, to six, uh, and that was last Sunday. Um, <clears throat> and then, yeah, I mean, we really, you know what I mean, so it's, you know, as of late, we haven't really had an uh, opportunity to, you know, pull our hair out over an eighth inning meltdown or anything because we do right. our meltdowns earlier in the game. <laughs> yeah. So that, you know, that kind of goes that way. But, um, yeah, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how the Giants attack their bullpen. Mike, one thing super random, I just, uh, I'm i looking at the Giants box scores and whatnot against the Rockies. Uh, there's a ton of trade speculation around Nolan Arenado, the superstar stud third baseman for the Colorado Rockies. And I know this sounds crazy, but man, oh man, if he gets traded out of our division, like I will be so freaking ecstatic. Like I, I love that guy. He's such a good ball player, and I love it when he beats up on the Cardinals. Uh, blah, 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 when he beats up on the Dodgers for us. See, that's the rivalry I'm talking about. I'm mixing up Cardinals and Dodgers now, so you know I hate them. <laughs> um, but anyway, um, you know, watching Arenado just hit bombs in Dodger Stadium, or just go, you know, off Otaco and um, you know Chase Field out in Arizona, um, you know that's awesome. But at the same time, he's had so much success against the Giants that I would not be upset at all if he gets traded to the AL East or somewhere far, far away where we see him once every three years. I would enjoy that. I would enjoy that a lot. Uh, he's he's one of those five-tool players that are just, you know, oh, I don't know about his speed. I shouldn't say five-tool because he's not fast, is he? He's not a stolen base kind of guy. But You um, know what? I was going to yeah. say too, but he could. He, he also could be. I mean, I think he the the part of the order he bats him, it doesn't call for many steals. So maybe that's kind of detracting from his speed. But he looks pretty athletic and agile. So I'm I'm assuming he probably can yeah. do it pretty quickly. 
Yeah, he does play that third base just, you know, pretty much just like that, like a, almost like a ballerina where he's just, I mean, just smooth and Unreal. effortlessly and just, oh, man, just really um, awesome. Like Longoria used to play, you know. Um, so, anyways, yeah, it would be it would be awesome to, to see him go somewhere else because he is such a key component to that Rockies team. And, you know, Rockies are probably going to be with, the other four teams, um, or I should say other three teams that are going to be in this race that, to the end of the season more than likely. Yeah. And, my, and to, um, to back up your point, I, I don't think he's that fast because I've seen, uh, let's see, the most stolen bases he's had in the year is three, and he's everything every other year uh, is two. And then, I mean, he does have two stolen bases this year, so, hey, he's, he's on pace. He's on pace to break it, Mike. Um, but, no, he's um, – He's definitely, and then his, uh, his triple count isn't that high either, so you could tell from that. But I mean, he, I think he's right now he's leading the National League, and uh, I don't know if it was hit or total bases, home runs for sure, RBI for sure. I think. I mean, it's, yeah, he's just he's one of those players that yeah, if you if you don't have to see him, you know, whatever, sixty times a year or whatever, you know, we face him, uh, however many at bats per game, then the less the better, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. For sure. For sure. Now. Uh, we we only have about ten minutes, and one of the things I wanted to cover with you is this mysterious pitcher that that none of us know yet who's going to be that fourth or fifth starter. We know that Bumgarner, Shark, Cueto, Rodriguez are the four. Who's going to be the fifth? Man, you know I keep talking to you. I, I really want to see Suarez. Um, I'd like to see us stick with the younger guy. Stick with the guy that has some electric stuff. Um, has a kind of a an arm that can light up the, the radar gun, um, you know, when it needs to, and, uh, you know, someone that can really, you know, harness and control his emotions. And he always has a very calm and controlled look about him, Mike, his manner, uh, his demeanor seems always very poised. Um, oops, excuse me. Uh, so, you know, I'd really like to see him stay as our five guy. Um, and that would be kind of nice. You have back-to-back lefties, right? You know, Bumgarner, the lefty, number one pitcher, and then the, the five pitchers, the lefty, um, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of nice. However, uh, we might see if that is the case. We might see Bochi mix it up a little bit, where he'd probably would go bomb Cueto Shark, so lefty righty righty, and then put uh, Suarez as the next lefty in the four slot, and then move Rodriguez to the five slot, maybe. And that's all just based on matchups and who we're facing. But anyway, yeah, if, if Suarez can, uh, you know, be one of our guys to take that <clears throat> that last slot, I'd really be happy with that. Uh, because we do, you know, it is, it is a time where, you know, we need to start thinking about getting our younger pitchers. The Giants have always succeeded off developing their own pitchers, whether it's a Noah Lowry for a little while, Matt Cain, Tim Lincecum, Madison Bumgarner, you know, all these guys that the Giants have built, you know, sorry, have built these winning teams around have been homegrown starters. So if we can kind of work on some of our guys, getting them to be a homegrown starter and, um, you know, get them up there uh, and consistent in the major leagues and contributing uh, at, you know, in, towards the playoff chase. And that could be huge going forward for their confidence and for us. And, you know, I think Suarez has been the most, most consistent out of either Stratton or, or him. And, and yeah. I know Stratton, I think was a, was a first round draft pick of ours, but I, Suarez has just been dominant and he was dominant in in against teams that and Colorado and Arizona two two massive home run parks where a lot of teams scored a lot of runs and he shut them down in in both parks and Stratton didn't and those kind of things that just stand out that 
that make you even even if they were both right-handers or if they were both left-handers, you say, okay, um, who's been the better guy? And I think Suarez has just been the better pitcher. So I don't know what they're going to do with Stratton. I guess they're going to send him down um, because I don't see them putting him in the bullpen because you know, two is enough. So yeah, you know, so, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, so God, that's gonna it's gonna be hard to see Stratton go, but um, I, I think that's the only the only option they have until they uh, open up the lineups and get, get are able to put more players on the team. So yeah, for the, the forty yeah. man rosters in September, those get nice and crazy, and yeah. you get these guys in the Giants you've never heard of, and they have a looking like a football sideline in the dugout. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly, and you're like, like and the good, I, I don't remember that guy. I was going to say, Mike, the, yeah, right, like, who's that number 65? What the hell are you, O-lineman <laughs> or tight end? Is this baseball? Um, <laughs> Mike, one thing I wanted to talk about that's kind of funny, um, um, that kind of, you know, gets me laughing all the time, is that about that 40-man roster, like I said, the Giants are one of three teams, I believe, that still have an uh, on-field bullpen. So that means, you know, all the other teams that have bullpens, most of their, their bullpen guys are in the bullpen, if that makes sense, right? So you say you have the 12-man, you have, for a 25-man roster, you have 13 offensive guys, 12 guys. Um, so you have your seven relievers, right? You have your five starters, seven relievers. So usually those seven relievers are out there in the bullpen the whole game, just kind of stretching, playing catch, and staying loose and waiting for the phone to ring. Um, so those are they're always split up. The teams don't look as big. But when you play at AT&T Park or the Coliseum or at the Tropicana Field for the Rays, you mean those 40-man rosters, you have damn near every 40, you know, all 40 men in there, and then you have the coaches and a couple of the, you know, the, the whatever, the cameramen, and then you have some of the bullpen catchers. I mean, you have like 50 guys in the dugout, you know, and that's, like, like I said, that's damn near an NFL roster. So it's kind of funny seeing a game that only requires nine guys at most at a time to be on the field um, to be, you know, employing, you know, 40 plus people in one tiny little dugout. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's just all crowded and everything. It must be for those that have been there since the beginning, like a phone booth now where you got all these players in there <laughs> that, you know, before you could stretch out and just, you know, do whatever. And be, now it's a, you know, almost the phone booth where you're like, ah, we should get rid of this guy. He stinks, you know, or whatever. Right, yeah. You know, and, <laughs> so, yeah, it, it's it's amazing how the, it changes and, you know. And, you know, you're just hopeful that you can find someone. I think Pablo was one of those players that came up when the rosters expanded, and that's how yeah, he started to become more of the team. And, you know, and that's just kind of what you hope for is just finding a, a nugget in the sand. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> but, yeah, it's not easy. You know, it's definitely hard. So, hopefully the Giants can pick, you know, some guys out or find someone. Or, who knows, maybe we'll do another, um, you know, we'll try to block the, the Diamondbacks or the Diamond, uh, or the Dodgers from getting a player, and then we'll get another Cody Ross, right? You get super lucky, and you're yeah. all you're trying to do is keep one team from your division from getting a player, and that guy turns out to lead you to the World Series. So, <laughs> you know, all these yeah. crazy things that happen in September, you know, that's really when the baseball season gets fun. Um, not that it's not fun right now. But as we are dragging on, you know, towards the All-Star break here, which uh, is the funniest time of the year, Mike, because I believe the All-Star break is the only time in North American sports that there's not one professional game uh, between the big, you know, the big sports of baseball, basketball, football, and hockey. Um, because, yeah, I mean, that, that little All-Star break, that, that's the, that one day. But 
they play the ESPYs on that day, and they have all these other things. So I, I you know, still a very good sports day. But yeah, it's just kind of a something to keep your eye out uh, as the All Star break uh, starts approaching us closer and closer here. You know, do they? You know, what would be really cool. And since football's done it, I think baseball should do it. Is like a skills challenge. Yeah. Have you seen um, in, in Japan, they don't have the home run. I don't even know if they have a home run derby. They might, but the, one of the biggest games they have is a bunting derby. It is awesome. Like, they have, like, these targets. You know, like, obviously, the closer you get it down the third baseline or the first baseline, the better points you get. Or, you know, like, you know, these little um, – it's kind of like uh, like the curling, you know, those, uh, the weird Olympic game. But, anyway, it's just awesome seeing these guys. You know, these fans are going – Eighth, Mike. They're going eighth out there in Japan. This guy's putting down a perfect track butt, or he's pushing it perfectly to first base. And just seeing the bat control these guys have, and I'm sure they do throwing competitions and you know all these different things. But yeah, if we can get a skills competition to show off, you know, hey, we really see these players make you know a couple amazing plays per year. You know, can we have them showcase what they practice all the time? You know, these glove flips, um, these super fancy double plays, uh, the Javi Baez with the slide. Uh, the swim slide. I don't know if you if you know what I'm talking about, where he slides head first, and then he he like kind of like pulls his left arm away from the tag and dives in with his right arm. I mean, it's oh, yeah. unbelievable watching him. But yeah, so like some of those things, you know what I mean? Like if we can make that, you know, right. like a slide, a certain slide, or certain bunting, or certain throws, or you know, trying to hit a line drive over here with a hit and run competition, just little things like that. I think you have a good point. That would definitely bring a lot more fanfare. Yeah, and it brings the excitement of the sport that, that we don't normally see, you know, in a game just because it's, it's you know, baseball is routine, which, you know, it, a lot of people see it like a soccer or whatever, and we appreciate our artistic view of it, and that's why it's not boring to us. But to a normal casual fan who doesn't really watch baseball, it's boring because there's not much going on, and – that way we, they can get more people to come and watch because those things are what what are exciting about the baseball. So I don't know. I think, I think it's definitely would be a good idea. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So hopefully, you know, hopefully with the, within the next couple of years, the, you know, at least the major league baseball, uh, I don't know if it's a player association or if the commissioner's office has to start looking at those things, but whoever it is, I mean, obviously you want to keep the game as entertaining as possible. So, you know, with all these, superstar players backing out of the home run derby afraid of affecting their swing well guess what a bunt derby or a line drive or you know maybe your max velo your max you know you, you do like a exit velocity uh competition right so okay you can yeah hit, you know you yeah. still can hit the ball to right center but you know i don't care if it's 15 hops the wall if it comes off your bat at 115 that's what we're looking for so certain things like that maybe those right. could be uh, yeah you know movements yeah. or something exactly it's, yeah there you go perfect and that's such a hot topic now yeah, absolutely. Um, why not have yeah, right? something like, like yeah. a Max contest? Yeah. And before before we head off there, Mike, I just want to complain one more time. You and I were just livid last night. They kept saying the stat cast for all the damn uh, Cardinals home runs. I mean, dude, like, that's awesome and all. Like, I'm really happy for you guys. But, like, I, I don't want to hear how far, you know, Jeff Jerko's ball went or, you know, the launch angle of freaking <laughs> Matt Carpenter's absolute tank off of Cueto went. You know what I mean? Like, how about show me the spin rate of Cueto's hung changeup? Or, like, show me, show me something <laughs> yeah. Giants that's going to make me more knowledgeable than Giants fan and not make me just hate the Cardinals more and whoever's feeding you this BS freaking – oh, man, I was, oh, I was living. <laughs> and, then, and then right after that, they have the, the Togo commercial, how far will you go? Oh, my um, God. It's like, no, I, I'm not even going to take a freaking step. That's how far I'm going to go for this for oh, damn thing because yeah. 
You know what? You're showing the other team, and you know, like, I don't know. That must be a, a mandatory baseball rule because I don't see how the how that would be a good thing for the Giants to show. You know, right? The, the max, <laughs> like, you know. Here's us getting our yeah, ass kicked. No you know, but guess what? I'll I'll tell you the miles per hour we got our ass kicked at. Like, no, I don't want to know that. <laughs> Dude, tell me, yeah. tell me the story about the Giants dynasty. Like, come on, go John Miller on it and talk yeah. to me about Dusty Baker, Felipe Alou. Do something. Like, I don't want to hear this. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That's got to stop. That's got to stop. Oh, man. All right. Hey, well, we have our to-do list. Mike, we have our, uh, our skills challenge for the All-Star game. We got to appeal to the board, and then we got to talk to the Kruping Kipe and Miller or whoever the hell's in charge of the, uh, the Giants the Giants announcing there because I know they don't want to do it. So there's got to be a reason behind it. So if we could boycott or do something or, you know, every time a stat cast comes on that it's not for us, we'll turn off the sound. I, I don't know. We got, turn off we got the to figure out a way. Yeah. <laughs> do something like, come on, man. I don't want to see this anymore. Yeah, absolutely. Well, actually, absolutely. I was, was going to say, Mike, the easiest way we could stop seeing it is if our damn pitchers stopped throwing 85 miles per hour change up down the middle, but that's a lot easier said than done. So we'll go ahead and yeah, the broadcast yeah. booth. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> That's probably what they would say too. Don't blame me, blame Quato. Like Yeah, right. Well, I can't I blame Quato. Down the middle. <laughs> yeah, right? Like, well yeah. guess what? Quato doesn't want to listen to me. Quato doesn't care. He's got guaranteed <laughs> money, okay? Can be our I know can be is not guaranteed, okay? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh man, they're whatever oh, chill you know fucks for that but yeah. Oh man. Well anything else, partner, we should tie any loose ends you need to tie up or you think we covered it all? I, I think we got it. I think we got it. So thanks again. And, uh, you know, you can follow me at RFL Red Zone. I don't know. Do you want to give out your Instagram account or do you want to remain that private? No, no, no. Um, yes, yeah, I guess. You know what? Actually, partner, um, I've been, you, I keep meaning to start a Twitter account. So you guys can absolutely follow me. Yeah, this Nico Sigona, N E I K O S I G O N A. But there's not as much awesome sports stuff as there is for Mike. So, you know what, Mike, I'm kind of jealous of you getting to sign off every week with a Twitter account. So I'm going to, I'm going to, uh, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to create one this week just to spite you. So we could, uh, we could have a little tweet words at the end, but uh, no, no, it's definitely uh, something I want to get back into now that we're going full force with our lovely podcast, like we used to a couple of years ago. So yeah, I think Mike can get me back on another social media forum and we're going to get back at it and have even more ways to talk about Giants baseball and just keep everything bottled up until our Friday afternoon, uh, little podcast. Absolutely. Absolutely. Looking forward to that. Alrighty, already partner. Thank you very much for uh and have a have a great weekend. Yeah, you too, partner. Take it easy. Thank you everyone. All right, thanks.